Hello, hello, my name is Michael, and I welcome you to What's Your Career, where careers are examined one at a time. Today, however, we actually get to explore two careers. Troy Cowan is retired from the Navy and transitioned into a teaching career. Troy has a big heart for kids, and it definitely shows by the way he talks. If you are wondering if a career switch is possible in your 40s with a family, this episode is for you. Troy did it, and he is so happy he did. You can be too. Now, let's hear the interview. Hey, Troy Cowan, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I'm really excited to be here and looking forward to our uh, our little discussion. Sure. So what is, uh, what's your job title to kick us off here? Well, uh, thanks. It's not every day someone asks me that question, but um, my current job title is uh, school teacher. School teacher. Awesome. And is that what you've done your, your whole career? Oh, no. I've, uh, I've only been teaching school uh, for about the last eight years or so. And before that, I spent um, 23 years in the United States Navy uh, sailing the seven seas and going on a lot of awesome adventures and exploring this planet and just had a great career in the Navy. And then um, after that, I got out and worked uh, on one of the Navy bases as a just a general contractor. And then I realized I've been working around these airplanes long enough. I want to do something else. So I took a couple of vocational quizzes, which kind of like helped me identify my next career. And um, I was either going to be a teacher or a funeral parlor director. And wow. I wasn't really interested in the funeral funeral parlor job. So I uh, went back to school and uh, got my bachelor's degree in English and uh, had enough um, military benefits, college benefits to get my master's degree in teaching. Wow. That's yeah. awesome that you were able to go back to school. I assume you used what the, the GI Bill. Is that correct? Well, I use Voc Rehab, but it's just there's a couple different programs out there that uh, service members have uh, access to. And the Voc Rehab program just happened to be a better fit for me. And okay. it allowed me to get, you know, my master's degree without incurring one nickel of student debt, which was really awesome. Wow. That is awesome. Okay, so let me let me back up. Let's let's try to unpack this story a little bit because it sounds like you've got a lot going on here. So, I guess what year did you start working? How long have you been a you know a working professional? That's another great question. I am fifty four years old because uh, I was born in nineteen sixty six, and okay. I joined the Navy when I was still in high school at the uh, ripe young age of seventeen. And so I was in the Navy since I was 17 and for 23 years and plus a little change. I was in the Navy and then I went to school for about, I think it took me about four years to get my master's degree. And then uh, I've been teaching for about eight years now. Okay. So those are my two main careers, Navy and 
teacher and student. So I guess three, three career. Right. Right. Okay. Wow. So you've got a rich, rich career. So which between the two jobs you've had, the two careers, which one do you prefer? Which one do you feel like makes you most happy? Yeah, that's an easy one. Teaching. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love the I love the Navy, and if I could, you know, do it over again, I'd do it the exact same way. But, um, you know, I had a there was a lot of growing pains and being in the military and having to deploy for six, seven, eight, nine months away from your family, and you know, going into harm's way, um, you know, because that's what the military does is trains for war can be stressful and challenging. And uh, so I spent a lot of time away from my family, which was probably the hardest thing, but um, it was very rewarding career. I always felt like I had a pretty high efficacy of uh, job satisfaction, but teaching uh, kids is my passion. Um, Every day is different. Every year is different because even though I might be teaching the same content it's a different audience so sure. and every every audience is different so which that's what makes it different and kind of exciting because uh, kids are very uh honest and unique and um, yeah absolutely kids kids will let you know if you're in the wrong that's for sure they'll be honest with you <laughs> sometimes that's a bad thing but uh no it's always a good thing and that's that's noble of you to love working with children and i want to get to that but i first i first want to talk about your first career uh in the navy in a little more depth so it sounds like based on what you said you were in the thick of it in the Navy. You were you were on the front line, maybe so to say. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about what you did, what your role was in the Navy? Sure. So you know, anytime you, I was an enlisted guy. So and I went in without a, a specific job title. I just kind of went in as a as a grunt or an airman and and kind of let uh, luck or you know chance determine what my career field was going to be. And I lucked out um, by, you know, some awesome circumstances and got into the world of supply, which was uh, a great career. And I spent, you know, when you're um, a junior sailor, you don't always get those cream of the crop jobs or those jobs that are like, you know, you're going to see on TV or in commercials, you get a lot of Washing the airplanes and standing, right? So watch in the middle of the night, and but eventually, you know, my career took off, and um, once I, you know, got made some advancement and was able to make it into management level, then I got into like you know managing and budgeting millions of dollars, and uh, kind of got into budgeting, which was uh, a really exciting part of my career. Okay, so that was. I mean, obviously, for the first few years, you did grunt level work and, you know, you could have been on dirty jobs, maybe if, if the opportunity had presented itself. But but you worked your way into budgeting. So was that the main focus of your time in the Navy for maybe 10 or 15 or maybe even 20 years working on, on budgets? Was that the yeah, focus? Budget, you know, working mostly with money or working with uh, surplus, like managing kind of a warehouse full of uh, either airplane parts or 
like the last uh, four or five years of my career, I spent with the EOD community, the Explosive Ordnance Disposal. And those guys got like a very specialized uh, equipment. Uh, right. And, you know, they would deploy to uh, a variety of theaters like Afghanistan or um, Iraq or to Italy. So you, you had to have, uh, you know, a pretty diverse uh, supplies ready for them guys to deploy at a moment's notice. So you had to, you know, be prepared for the kind of be prepared for the worst and hope for the best kind of thing. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And you really, you felt like that position fit you pretty well and you enjoyed it. You thrived in that role. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, after when you do something long enough, you, you know, at the beginning, you're kind of beginner and you're making a lot of mistakes. And, um, but after you've been doing it for several years or a decade or more, you get pretty proficient at your job and you're able to anticipate, um requirements and kind of get ahead of the curve so and then you know when you do that people notice and they think hey this guy is really knows what he's doing because you know he came he came through in the clutch for us and was able to you know get us equipped with what we needed and and made the mission a success because of his you know professionalism yeah yeah that makes sense um but after doing it for so long, I feel like there's there's one of three outcomes. If you do the same job for 20 years, you're either going to love it more and more and more because you get better at it and you see the results and you, you continue to like it and you really thrive in that situation. Second scenario I see is you just start to resent it more and more and more. You do it over and over again and you really don't enjoy it. And so you end up resenting your job because it's been so long in, in an environment that you don't like. Maybe the third scenario is somewhere in between where, you know, you get better at it. And so in that sense, it becomes better. But then you kind of just get tired of it after a while and you lose interest. Uh, which one of those three kind of would, would would describe you in that in that role? Yeah, those are those are great options. And I kind of feel like it's kind of a I'm almost a hybrid of two because I. I got really proficient and really good at my job, but the cost of maintaining my position and maintaining my status quo came at at a price that I was just no, I was at the point in my life that it, I was no longer willing to pay what they, what the price was for admission to uh, to be a part of the organization. And what I mean by that is, when they would say, hey, you know, you we have a thing called seashore rotation where you're on shore duty for X number of years, which is kind of like a normal job where you work eight, 10 hour days and then you get to go home after that and you get weekends off. And then there's sea duty, which means you work seven days a week, 16 mm -hmm. hour days, and then you deploy and I, you miss Christmas and anniversaries and birthdays and first steps and proms and you start missing all those things and, you know, as the older I got, I realized that I was missing. I was missing yeah. to my family life. And so at yeah. that point I had to make a decision, you know, do I keep doing what I do really well or do I do something else and maybe enjoy my family? And so I, I chose the latter. 
Okay, so you you ended up retiring. Is is that the right word? Is it retiring yeah, or did you yeah. quit? Or okay, Oh, no, so- I, I retired. Anytime you do 20 years, you've earned a, you know, a pension. And so yep. I was able to retire and and receive a monthly pension and all the benefits that they go along with retiring. And so at that age, when you retired, sounds like you were only maybe 45 or so. I think it was about 41, 42 when I retired. Okay. And th- and then that's when you, you got to the point where you had to decide what your second career was going to be. And you said your options were, were, were what again? What were your options? Well, I mean, I, I, I could have done anything I wanted, but when you, when I went to the, to the VA and took these you know, extensive tests, they kind of helped narrow what your career choice would be. Um, you know, it, it was like teaching or a funeral parlor uh, <laughs> director. And I was like, well, I don't want to be a work as a, in a funeral parlor. So I chose, <laughs> That's which wasn't that. a bad choice. Cause you know, I, I coached cause I had like six kids and, you know, being in the military, I had a lot of opportunities for coaching and coaching and teaching have a lot of direct correlations. <laughs> right. But that's, that's hilarious. So you took a personality test or a job career test, kind of like a senior in high school all over again. And those were, those were the two things that came up with, huh? Yeah, it was really, that's, it, that's really it, interesting. It led to a lot of funny discussions with my wife and family about where maybe I could have been. If I wasn't a teacher, I might be, you know, messing around with dead bodies and doing that stuff. So I'm so, I'm glad I chose the career, the teacher career. Hey, I've met a mortician before and I was friends with him. I bowled with him back in college actually. And he loved it. He loved it. He, he, he felt a lot of pride and joy in his work and I'm not quite sure why, but I, I guess there are those people, you know, yeah, and that I'm, maybe could have been you, but you chose to be a teacher, which, it, which is a very noble career. So tell me about your, your second career here. What, what age do you teach? Well, currently I teach uh, sixth grade and I teach um, English language arts and social studies. Okay. So sixth grade is like 11 and 12 year olds. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Many would consider that to be a a very difficult age. And I think a lot of teachers would shy away from teaching those preteen, you know, almost hormonal aged kids, but it sounds like you really enjoy it. I do enjoy it. I think um, sixth graders are right at that level where they're, they're not quite brave enough to rock the boat, but they're courageous and curious enough that they're willing to take risks and and do, you know, like stuff that the teacher is actually telling them. Okay. And have you always been teaching sixth grade? Well, yeah. My This is, you know, I got one job interview after I got out of, college and I got the job and I just, I haven't left yet because it's a, you know, it's a great, great district that I'm a part of and we have great leadership and I've enjoyed it. And it's a a six minute commute from my homes. (laughs) Well, I I think you failed to mention one of the most awesome perks of being a teacher and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but 
you get summers off, don't you? Yeah, that's that's. I think I got a couple coffee mugs that say the the three best things about teaching are June, July, and August. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. That's awesome and super relevant. I I wish I could have summers off to be with my family and, and to go on adventures and 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 just enjoy life together as a family. That 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 would be the dream. But I am not a teacher, so unfortunately, I do not have that perk that you have. So. Um, tell me about your day as a teacher. I'm sure that, you know, everybody knows kind of what a teacher does, but I want to hear from a teacher's perspective. What, what does your day look like, you know, hour by hour or kind of on a, on a larger scale if needed as well? Sure. Well, I usually have to go in about uh, an hour before school starts just, uh, to get ready for the day or make copies or prepare my lesson or, to load up, you know, all the things on the computer to make sure I don't have a glitch, like if I'm going to show a, a video or or whatever, just to kind of make sure that I got all those prep things out of the way. And then my day starts with greeting my students at the front of my door and giving them fist bumps. Since we're in a uh, COVID year, we we went to a air fist bump or an air high five, where we don't actually make contact. We just kind of get a little close and <laughs> right do an air high five and then Ho hopefully uh, that doesn't stick around forever but but yes i understand why <laughs> yeah and then under normal years it would it would agree with uh you know a fist bump or a handshake or or whatever but in covid you know we got those restrictions and everybody has a mask on and you know social distance and all that stuff but eventually when the kids uh get in the classroom and i think i have about 30 30 kids in each class. Oh my, 30. Yeah, it's, it's does cool. that, yeah, does that feel large to you or does it feel manageable? Well, it's it's manageable, but um, from September to probably March or April, we all we were only going 2 days a week and we only had half the kids. So Monday and Tuesday mm -hmm. I would have a group A and then Thursday and Friday I would have group B. So I had 15 kids in a class. Well, that's fine, but you still have grading and attendance records for 30, you know, rather than 20 or 18 or 22. Or Correct. I, I was under the impression that a lot of class sizes were in the low 20s, but 30 sounds like a lot of people to keep track of. <laughs> well, it does require a lot of uh, resource management, like if they go to the bathroom, they have to log out where they're going and what time, just so if I look around and I'm like, where's Joey? And I haven't seen him in a while. I have to look at the log and say, well, he's been in the bathroom for 40 minutes. Maybe I better send someone to check on him, make sure he's okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's a lot to keep track of. And that's while you're trying to teach and, uh, you know, go through your, your PowerPoints or however you do it. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of that, how do you, like, what do your lectures look like? What's the medium uh, that lectures are presented on? Because I, you know, I'm not that old, but uh, I remember going into school and with the overhead projectors and the slides, and I, I feel like that's way out of date now. So how does it, how does teaching actually occur in the classroom these days? Yeah, so nowadays we have these things called smart boards. So you don't have the overhead projectors. You just basically, uh, whatever's on your computer, you can display it on uh, on your whiteboard or your overhead. And 
most of my lessons, because I have sixth graders and they have attention spans of about 10 to 15 minutes, I have my lessons and my activities broken down into those 10 or 15 minutes. So we might read a part of our novel for 10 or 15 minutes as a class. And then we'll usually have some kind of activity or project that we're working on where maybe they're identifying figurative language or we're working on vocab or they're doing a research project on a certain topic. Um, and then after that, we'll have uh, something where maybe they'll do something as a group and kind of share what they had discovered and a little bit of a reflection piece. Okay. Yeah, and so altogether, how long, how long does that take? How long do you have each class for? So I have each class because I teach English and social studies to one group and uh, English, you get about 50 minutes for English and about 50 minutes for social studies. And then I switch with another teacher uh, and I go to a different set of kids of 30. And then I teach another 50 minutes of English and another 50 minutes of social studies. And then okay. we have so you have two groups of students and two subjects. Correct. So, so 60 students and, and I guess four lessons a day, but two unique lessons a day, more or less. Yeah, because okay. I have one of my classes is general ed and then my other... The other group is the advanced group. Um, so the kids that are in the gifted program. Okay. That makes so sense. It's just a little more rigor and usually more uh, reading and uh, at a higher level. Right. Okay. So how many hours maybe do you put into to your current job every week? If you include grading at home and any lesson prep, things like that. Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Michael. And I tell you, my first probably two or three years, I was probably spending 70 to 80 oh, hours man. per week. Um, but once you get into like a little bit of a groove and you you master some of your teaching strategies and you learn like not to have an essay due right before spring break, which means your whole spring break, you're grading. And instead of grading <laughs> like... The whole yeah. essay, you just say, hey, we're just going to focus on the introduction, this 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 essay. Makes things a little bit easier. So I'd probably say probably 45 to 50 hours a week. Okay. So much That's, more manageable. and. Yeah, but I guess it took you those first couple of years to really develop your lesson plans and to figure out, you know, how much material you need to cover. And I'm sure that's how it goes for a lot of teachers. That's probably why we have so much turnover in the teaching industry is because the first few years, it takes a lot of effort. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to manage a classroom. You don't know how long to teach for. You don't know how to grade efficiently. And so, yeah, that makes sense that it would take 60, 70 hours a week the first few years. But once you get going in the groove of it and you know how students behave and you understand how to how to grade effectively and, you know, put out the right material, then then I guess, it, you know, it probably gets significantly easier. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's easier. It's just like with anything else that you do, Michael, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And so yep. I'm definitely not the same teacher now that I, as I started out, you know, I've learned a lot of the tricks of the trade and I've learned some how to classroom management and the importance of seating charts and rubrics and, all those things that teachers do that 
you know, a lot of people think, oh, just like a glorified babysitter. And I would say, well, I'll come into my classroom for a week and let's see if you still think that way after the week. Right. Well, that's very noble of you to, to love teaching. And uh, I, I guess, do you foresee yourself doing continuing teaching uh, the sixth grade and maybe other years for the rest of your career? Well, I, it's funny you ask that because I've just interviewed for um, a couple of positions in eight, one for eighth grade and one for 10th grade. So at the middle school I interviewed and the high school I've interviewed, just not that I don't, it's not where I'm not, I'm at, I'm happy. It's just that I think I've been in my career long enough that I feel like maybe I'm ready for another challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You've kind of mastered sixth grade and now you, you want to tackle a new challenge. Yeah. Um, um, so I guess looking, looking outwards a little bit and then, you know, speaking more directly to the listeners of this podcast, um, I want to jump back to the, to your first career in the Navy. What kind of person, you know, would, would enjoy being in the Navy or what type of person would benefit from being in the Navy maybe? And why, why would you recommend that career to, to somebody? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I tell you, it's uh, it takes someone unique to be able to do a career in the military. You have to be someone who is um, patriotic um, because you don't you're not going to get rich, you know, serving in the military. So right. you have to be willing to someone who enjoys traveling, but you have to. It's not like you're going to jump on a cruise ship to and go off to these exotic ports and uh, you know just have a life of luxury you really have to be a hard worker and someone who's willing to uh not afraid to get your hands dirty and um someone who uh, has uh, good self-discipline because a lot of times when you are um working for people in the military they they don't always ask you to do things like the what is a civilian right you're preparing for war and when right. it has to get done, it's, there's not a lot of pleases and uh, thank yous in the military. It's a lot of, you know, get that job done right now or else. So you got to be able to work in a high stress environment. So why, why would somebody want to go into the military other than having this, this knack for military and patriotism? What, what other things would drive somebody to join the military and, and talk it up like, like you're, like you're selling the job maybe. Yeah, that's great. So I can tell you that the military offers great college benefits. So basically you can go into college and serve for four years and earn enough benefits to get a college degree uh, without taking any student loans. So yeah. that would be, that would be one of the biggest benefits of, you know, if you just want to go in the military for a short term and you want to use it to meet your ends, if you're interested in going to college, but you're one of those kids that can't really afford and doesn't want to go into student debt by serving in the military, you can earn, uh, you know, those, the ability to go to college um, without incurring a great deal of debt. Yeah, that's definitely a big, a big perk. And uh, I know a lot of people that have used the, the post nine 11 GI bill to, to, yeah, to pay their way through school without any debt. And uh, you know, even, 
even, you know, large amounts of schooling, um, you know, people can go off to become doctors and, and have a lot of that paid for through the, you know, through their service in the military, which is awesome. Yeah. The other thing that I would say is kind of a, a fringe benefit of being in the military is if, if you want to just get some practical experience in a field that you're interested in and then apply your experiences in the military in a civilian application, it could be also a great uh, resource or a great tool to help uh, promote your, you know, your personal agenda or your personal goals. For example, your father-in-law, he was a air traffic controller in the, in the Marine Corps. So he was able to go through all the basic training and the schooling to become a basic air traffic controller uh, for the Marine Corps. And then he used all that training and now he's, you know, a civilian using the training that he got in the military to be, uh, to be successful in the civilian sector. Yep. Yep. And I think definitely those people that like to work with their hands, those people that don't mind getting dirty, uh, people that like to work outside um, and really show their work ethic through their sweat. Um, you know, it sounds like that's, you know, the military is a good place to, to develop those skills and to, to, to really show your work ethic. Um, but it, it takes that right, the right type of person. So uh, anyway, that's awesome. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, now, now, you know, to the teaching career uh, quickly, who do, what kind of person does it take to to be a, a teacher yeah someone who's absolutely crazy no yeah. <laughs> i'd have to say someone who loves kids because if you don't really like kids teaching is probably not going to be a lot of fun for you um because ultimately the the bottom line is you're teaching kids even though i said i teach sixth grade english and social studies I teach them much, much more than just English. You know, we talk, we spend a lot of time talking about kindness and empathy and uh, communication and just kind of teaching the whole student, not just the English and social studies part of the, of the student, but teaching the whole student. So if a person is interested in teaching, they should love or enjoy being around kids. Teachers do play an important role in kids' lives. And, and like you were saying, a lot more than just the subject matter itself. Um, you know, there are teachers that people will remember, you know, for the rest of their lives. I can name a couple of teachers that I had through high school and maybe even middle school that just influenced me as a person. I don't remember a thing that they taught me, but they were a somebody I connected with and somebody that really influenced some of my choices and decisions for years to come. And I know you're doing that too with your sixth graders. And that's a very noble thing uh, to, to put your life out there to help the, the upcoming generation and to teach them not only important things in history and about the English language, but also about life and how to become a person of character and a good, uh, you know, be a good quality human being. Um, so thank you for your service. And, you know, especially knowing, you know, teachers salaries are not, you know, what you could get elsewhere. And so it, it really does take a special person to, to want to teach and to put in those 60, 70 hour weeks at the beginning um, for, for, you know, children. Um, 
a lot of people don't have that kind of heart. It, it definitely requires a big heart to be a teacher. So thanks for your service. No, thank you, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity to kind of come on and, and chat with you about my career. And it's kind of made me do a little self-reflection on how thankful I am for, you know, the, the life that I've had and the opportunity that I have to uh, build relationships with not only the kids, but with the staff and the parents. And I do a lot of work with the community members because we feel important. It's, it's an important part to have you know, the community play an active role in the world of education. So, you know, this opportunity here is really like had making me, um, you know, think about where I'm at in my life and how satisfied my, my, my job is and how satisfied my life is because of my job. Absolutely. I think you're spot on, Troy. And I, you know, you've got a big heart and it really reflects in how you're talking today. So thanks again for your time. I've appreciated learning about the two careers that you've had. And, you know, hopefully that inspires some of the listeners to go chase after their dream career, even if they're halfway through their through their first career. It's never too late to change. And Troy, you're a great example of somebody who actually followed their their passion and is doing something that they like, um, you know, and making that switch later on in life. So awesome story. Thanks for sharing. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Troy. Thank you. Have a great night, Michael.